Welcome to the First Love Podcast from First Presbyterian Church, Jacksonville, Illinois, with Reverend Jonathan Warren. For Sunday, June 7th, 2020, Reverend Warren's sermon title today is Being a Saint. You also get to enjoy a guest performance of the song Defender by guest performers Hope, Grace, Joy, and Faith Marquardt. For more information about First Presbyterian Church, Jacksonville, Illinois, please listen to the message at the end of today's service. We pray you have a blessed, healthy, and safe week. God bless. Good morning. Good morning. I'd like to especially welcome all those worshiping with us this morning. We're glad you're here. Please tell us that you're here. Today we have special music from our music intern, Hope Marquart, and her family. And the Reverend Siobhan Warren is preaching this morning. I'm really glad and excited about this morning. We also are sharing virtual communion together in our online worship. If you haven't already, please prepare bread or a substitute like crackers uh, and a cup of, and, and please also prepare a cup or small cups of juice or a substitute like wine or water. Please set these elements where you experience worship electronically with, you, with your family this morning. I'm also excited to announce an upcoming unique do-it-yourself vacation Bible school honoring the pioneers of faith. It's an intergenerational blended half on-site, half virtual experience that's sure to delight our entire congregation. And it's from June 29th to July 3rd. We're gearing up for it and we're really looking forward to uh, sharing this experience with our families. And we're so excited that our, our uh, children's ministry uh, team is, is working so hard on this. And we're excited that you all can be part of it also. During our opening music, I want you to comment about what you've seen, how you've seen the church be the church out of our building and in our community. Where have you experienced God? Let us worship God this morning. Now let us join together in the call to worship with one another. For the manyness of God's creative splendor, let us give thanks. 
Before Jesus' humility and the power of Christ's commands, let us stand in wonder. For the mystery of relationships, God's with us and ours with one another, let us seek God's holy wisdom. Come, let us worship the triune God. Today we are here at our font, and we're reminded of Christ's separation that we have between Christ and God. Times when we sit idly, times when we push others away, even times when we push God away. And yet today we come here in confession. Reminding how wonderful our God is, reminding us how merciful God is. I'll just share a confession with one another. Let's say together. 
We confess this day, O merciful God, that we have not always acted in just ways, nor sought justice for our friends and neighbors. We have found it easy to turn our backs on problems rather than seeking to be a solution to them. We have heard many ways in which you have demonstrated peace with justice through the ministries of your son. Yet we have given only sporadic attention to them. Forgive us, Lord. Heal our selfishness and brokenness. Cause us to be witnesses to your great love as shown to us in Jesus Christ. Amen. And now let us silently confess our sins to God. Amen. We are given love and grace. This water pours over each one of us, making us clean today and forever. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Amen. join together in the prayer for illumination. O God, by your Holy Spirit, tell us what we need to hear and show us what we ought to do to obey Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Our first scripture reading comes to us from the book of Ruth. Ruth is a lovely book in the Old Testament. Let us hear how it begins. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, the names of his two sons were Malan and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Malan and Chilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, 
For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way back to the land of Judah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hello, this is Hope Marquardt. I was your music intern from fall 2019 until this spring. And these are my sisters, Faith, Grace, and Joy. And we will be leading worship with you this morning. This is a song called Defender. So 
Continue our reading through Ruth, chapter 1, again through verse 9. Lord, grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. And she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until you were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. It's been far more bitter for me than for you because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. And they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. 
there will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well, if even death parts from parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now we are at the time for children's time. And I'd like to get all the children together at this time. So I brought something special with me. It's a little small from here, but I was thinking about when I go out into the yard, I look for these. I think grown-ups look for these and they get really nervous, right? But kids, when you see these, you see these are wonderful flowers. They're the flowers that you can pick, right? You can't pick some of the other flowers that, that your moms have or your dads have in their yards or your grandparents. So what is this? This is a dandelion. Well, we have a book called Dandelion and it's one of our favorite books and it's about this little boy and his name is a dandelion and he looks like this with a face on him and he goes to school and he's different he just looks different he sounds different he's loud and he's colorful and all the other flowers all the other children follow the rules and they do everything just so but not dandelion dandelion thinks differently he uh, does things differently. Uh, some of the children call him a weed. And it hurts his feelings. And he's kind of sad. And he, and he thinks, I don't want to go to school anymore. And then, Grandpa Lion talks to him. And he tells him that he is different and that's special. And so he starts thinking about how special he is. And, and he doesn't know this, but all the kids at school are missing. But the end of line. And they didn't know why he didn't come back to school, but he was. He had felt sad and he didn't want to be there when other people. Um, we're making fun of him. So, Grandpa Dandelion tells him, you go back. And when they came back, the whole room was filled with colors, just like Dandelion had, had shared with him. And it was so wonderful for him and his class. And they all had grown bigger and better because of him. And the reason I tell this story and the reason... Um, I'm getting a little sad or emotional is because it's a story for us today. It matters. We need color in our lives. We need all kinds of different people in our lives. And it's so important for us to have all the voices and to hear a story like Ruth. And she's different. And everything's been pushed against her, just like Dandelion. But she's strong, and she's bold. 
And so was Dandelion. And he needed to hear from his grandpa that he was beautiful and loved. And his class and the whole group were so happy about it. And that's what's special about Ruth's story. Ruth loves Naomi's God, which is our God. And she sticks with her, even though the odds are stacked up against her. And so today, I hope when you go out, maybe for a walk, that you'll find some dandelions. And maybe you'll find some grandpa dandelions. And you'll blow them, and you'll share them, and you'll stress out some of the grown-ups, because these have seeds on them. And they can cause more dandelions. And it's beautiful, and it brings color. And children, you are the best at showing us why dandelions really matter. So, can you do that today? Can you go for a walk this week and find some dandelions? And remember that story, that uh, this uh, person who was different is also one who brings color and life and important things to all of us. Let's wiggle those fingers, wiggle, 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 and put them together, and let's say an echo prayer. Dear God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you for dandelions, the color and life they bring. We thank you for Ruth, the strengths she shares, the love she has for our God, and the message she brings to each one of us. Amen. Today we have a, a special opportunity to hear from the Reverend Siobhan Warren about Ruth. When I was in seminary, I noticed an alarming trend. Every year at my eye doctor appointment, my glasses prescription was noticeably stronger than the year before. I asked the doctor, are my eyes just going to get worse and worse until I can't see? Well, he said, what do you do? Well, I'm in grad school, so mostly I read a lot. Ah, he said, they should give you a warning when you sign up for grad school. It's going to ruin your eyes. When you're out of school, your eyesight will level off. And it did, sort of, because I still read a lot. In fact, I got my first progressive lenses last year and joined the club of the up and down heads. So now I'm all set to read even more. I've always loved books and reading since I was a little girl, but I really came into my own in middle school. Every Friday after school, I would go to the library and check out a big stack of books. I would stay up late that first night and finish the first one. One of the first books I ever really loved was Little Women. I read it over and over again. Is there a book you have turned to? over and over again? Maybe it's words speak a truth you need to hear. Maybe the familiar characters bring you comfort. And what about in the Bible? Is there a Bible story that you really love? Mine is the book of Ruth. Probably the best part of the book of Ruth, the part we know the best, is this beautiful set of verses at the end. Where you go, I will go. It's written as poetry or a song, and it's certainly a poetic speech. Many couples choose to have this scripture read at their weddings, and you can see why. 
But when we put this poem into context, we see it wasn't first spoken as a declaration of romance. It's a pledge of commitment from a woman to her mother-in-law. Now, even saying the words mother-in-law makes us think of all kinds of bad jokes, doesn't it? Or maybe some bad stories that aren't really jokes at all. One year, Jonathan's mother came to stay with us for four weeks. He was really excited about her visit, and he mentioned it in worship. After church, countless women came up to me and said, I'll be praying for you. Just tell me the word if you need to get out of the house. Luckily, my mother-in-law is not like the women from the jokes. She's more like Naomi. It might be hard for us to imagine this, but in ancient times, a woman was who her husband was. A woman with no husband was a nobody. She had no one to provide her with food or income. She had no social standing, no place in society. This is why scripture requires that widows and orphans be taken care of. They are the people who slip through the cracks. So Naomi finds herself with no husband, no sons, no prospect of rebuilding her life. She is down and out in every possible way. The only thing she can think of to do is travel back to where she came from all those years ago to try to find a distant relation who will take pity on her. Naomi wants to do the right thing, so she releases her daughters-in-law from any obligation to her. She tells them to go back to their mothers, presumably to find new husbands and to start again. Orpha does just that, but Ruth doesn't want to leave Naomi. Naomi tells her, Ruth, you can go home, find yourself a husband, a nice home, have the life you've always wanted. There is no future with me. I'm homeless. I'm destitute. I am without a position. What could you ever accomplish by staying with me? You certainly wouldn't marry again. Even if I got married tonight and had another son and you waited for him to grow up, that would be crazy. Ruth answers that she will give up her homeland, her people, her gods, all to be with Naomi. More than this, the women are traveling from Ruth's homeland of Moab to the city of Bethlehem. You know how in the parable of the Good Samaritan, part of understanding the story is knowing that the Israelites who were listening to it hated the Samaritans. How could there be a good Samaritan? Well, the Moabites were like that too. They were totally other, and Ruth was going to a place where no one would like her simply because of where she was from. But in spite of all this, the two women set off to the place where Naomi grew up, hoping to find somebody who would take pity on them. While writing this sermon, I read something that suggested Ruth is a saint. Not a saint as in performed three documented miracles, but the kind of saint that you and I know. Can you think of this kind of person? The one who says something kind when all you can think of is something snarky. The person who thinks of other people first all the time. I knew a saint like this, and you could tell just by looking at her face that she was close to God. It shone out of her. 
Do you have a saint like this in your life? I hope you do. Now, your saintly person might not be perfect. Ruth wasn't perfect, but she was good and she was brave. Recently, I dusted off my copy of Little Women and read it for the first time in many years. Have you noticed Little Women is having a moment lately? There have been two movies and a TV miniseries produced in the last few years, and the story is still good. After reading it again, I loved the book, but some of the stories read differently to my adult eyes. As a mother myself, I identified more with Mrs. March than the growing girls. There's an exchange between one of the sisters, Joe, and her mother. Joe has a hard time keeping her temper, and in a fit of rage, she has a near-fatal accident with her little sister. Mrs. March admits that she has trouble keeping her temper as well, and Mr. March reminds her to think before she speaks by putting his finger to his lips when he notices she's about to say something out of line. Yet Mrs. March is shown throughout the book to be one of those real-world saints, faithful and prayerful, never complaining about her husband's lost fortune or his absence as he serves as a military chaplain during the Civil War. Much is made in the story of the family's poverty, although they do have a maid, and yet Mrs. March and her daughters give freely of their food and possessions to those who have less than they do. Well, thanks to the wonders of the internet, I discovered a more recent novel called March, which reimagines the same story from Mr. March's perspective. I eagerly read this retelling of my favorite story. The author, Geraldine Brooks, imagines Mr. March's humiliation when his wife does not fit in with the very confining mold prescribed for Victorian women. His gesture that seems so kind in the original novel is interpreted in a more domineering light. In fact, the Mrs. March of the spin-off novel speaks freely of her mind, can you imagine, especially concerning her great passion, the abolition of slavery, and her part as a conductor in the Underground Railroad. This incarnation of Mrs. March is not the demure Victorian saint of the original novel, but she's a firebrand willing to risk everything for the betterment of other people. Both women act like saints, but in very different ways. And that is how you and I, in the various ways that we each go about it, that's how we are saints too. Some of us may be saints like Naomi or the Mrs. March of Little Women, doing the right thing quietly, fitting in, not making much of a splash, but perhaps quietly sacrificing for somebody else. Some of us may be saints like Ruth or the novelist's idea of the real Mrs. March, speaking loudly about our beliefs, standing up for what we think is true, even if it's unpopular. Well, probably nobody listening to this is a Mother Teresa, but everyone in this room is a saint of the Church of Jesus Christ. You might not feel like a saint, but you are. Everyone, all of us, has the ability to give up a little of what we have in order to make life easier for someone else. 
whether it's the money that you donate to church, the time that you spend ministering to others, a meal that you take to someone who's sick, whether it's a kind word to someone who lives in your house. And these days, the people in our houses need kind words from us, don't they? Or dare I say it, maybe you say something complimentary about your mother-in-law. These last weeks have been full of news about racial injustice. If you are like me, when you hear these things in the news, you can't help but think as a Christian, as an American, as a human being, shouldn't I be doing something? Well, in a word, the answer is yes. We are all called, each and every one of us, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. We are called to make this world more and more like the kingdom of God, and there is no room for violence and hatred and racism in God's kingdom. So then what can we do? The answer is complicated, certainly more complicated than we can address in a sermon. But here's what I can say to you today. Some of us are called to be a saint of the church like Ruth. Some of us have been called to follow in the footsteps of great people like Martin Luther King Jr. or our own Reverend Samuel Stewart to speak out with powerful voices and share this vision of God's kingdom. But not all of us, or even many of us, are called to act in this way. Maybe you are called to be a saint like Naomi. Maybe you are called to do the small thing, the quiet choice, the hundred little actions that add up to a real change in our world. Now, this doesn't mean you're off the hook. It means we each have different roles in the hard work of change. Be a saint of God, especially this week. Look for a way that you can quietly help. Look for a way that you can speak out against injustice, for a way that you can reflect the kingdom of God in our world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now let us join together in the Apostles' Creed, saying together, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us break bread together on
And we have the Lord's Prayer shared later. So we're moving to the offering. And I wanted to tell you, if you haven't already prepared elements for communion, I encourage you to do so during the offertory music. Be assured that a slice of bread or a cracker can become a sacrament. Even a cup of water or tea, a remembrance of God's redeeming love. Communion does not need elements. It is a gathering of people. And as Psalm 34, 8 says, you can taste and see that God is good, even if you do not partake. Now, during this offering music, make a comment about how you will give to God this week. Let's give our tithes and our offerings and our whole selves.
Now let us dedicate these gifts to God by saying the prayer of dedication together. Gracious God, we offer these gifts and ourselves as instruments of your ever new creation. Amen. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. They will come from east and west and from north and south and sit at table in the kingdom of God. In our many kitchens and living rooms, we gather around the table today. And these tables that we gather around are not Presbyterian or Protestant tables. They are now our Lord's tables. And Jesus' invitation is to all who trust in him, whatever our background, whatever our tradition, Whatever burdens or blessings we carry today, we are all invited to share this feast that Christ has prepared. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God our thanks and praise. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us that this meal may be a communion of the body and blood of our Lord, making us one with Christ and with all who share this feast. Unite us in faith. Encourage us with hope. Inspire us to love that we may serve as your faithful disciples until we feast at your table in glory. And now, as our Savior has taught us, let us pray together the Lord's Prayer, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We give thanks to the Lord Jesus on the night of his arrest, after giving thanks, took bread, and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, sealed for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the saving death and grace of Christ until he comes again. Now, normally during this time, we pass the bread, and then we pass the cup, and we wait to drink the cup together. And I heard last time we tried this, a few folks were waiting for me to say, okay, now it's time to drink. Uh, this time, I want to encourage you that we are going to share it together. We're going to share the bread and the juice at the same time. Um, and part of that reason is because we have families together in some of our homes and it would it's 
it's nice to share communion together. So pass the bread and the juice to one another, sharing the bread of Christ, sharing the cup of Christ, and eating and drinking together while we listen to music. So I will not be cueing you to drink together. So just eat and drink both together. This is the bread of life, broken for you, and the cup of salvation poured for each one of us. Thanks be to God. Now let us join together in the prayer after communion. God of grace, you renew us at your table with the bread of life. May this food strengthen us in love and help us to serve you in each other. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for the message that Christ brings each one of us. Christ brings us hope every hour, every day. Now let us receive the benediction. May the, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the bond of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.
for more information about the First Presbyterian Church, Jacksonville, Illinois, you can write us a note at 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois, 62650. Or call us at 217-245-4189. Our email is office at firstpresjax.org. That's office at F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-J-A-X dot O-R-G. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. for our live service. And our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash firstpresjacks. Look for the live link. Our website is www firstpresjacks.org God bless and have a healthy safe week